My name is Brett. I am pastor of the church that helps send this people here. Our, our congregation is a, okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Our congregation is in, in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. We're right outside west, about 25 miles near Dulles Airport. And Pastor Paul has asked me to participate in the service to let you know that there is a group of people larger than this room who are supporting you. Uh, thousands of folks of which you are part that you don't know, not to mention our congregation, but the entire Every Nation world. Every Nation is the organization under which this church finds its home, and it's the organization under which the church that sent these people to found this church finds its home. It's a family of churches that has decided to do things together spiritually, reach college campuses, plant churches that are socially responsible, that are spirit-empowered to make sure that we are strengthening congregations and doing world missions, just to name a few things that we do. And so today, I am here to add credibility to the moment and let you know that I don't think God could have sent you a better pastor, a better wife of a pastor than Paul and Taylor Harris. I don't think so. known them for about a decade and a half and he called me almost four years ago and said pastor I feel like it's it's time for us to plant a church and uh, the conversation went on and he said he wanted to do it with us and he happened to be a professor down here at UVS said well why don't you come back and we'll put you on staff and we'll teach you the ropes because he'd never pastored before and so for two years he was on staff with us learned how we do what we do understood our values at a deeper level and proved himself to be a worthy servant of our support. And although the finances are significant to ever start something like this, well spent. Well spent because they are well sent. They've proven themselves. They are tied, tethered to a congregation. They love having a pastor. They love the fact that they get to serve a community and see transformation happen. And although Charlottesville has been in the news for the past couple of years for things that are unseemly, it is not unlike other communities that need the same kind of transformation. Although the, the focus seems to be in this environment more than any other, there are a lot of places that need Pastor Paul and Taylor. Lots. And you get them. You all are really blessed. Now Jesus said this, or it was said of Jesus by Paul, that when he arose, he gave gifts to men. And those gifts were not Easter baskets. As nice as those are, those gifts, he says, were men. And he gave some as apostles. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. And some as pastors, and some as prophets, and some as teachers, and some as evangelists, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And so one of the greatest gifts this congregation will ever receive, and there will be many, because God's going to bless this house immeasurably, immeasurably. And you're going to grow faster than you ever thought possible. And you're going to have brand new problems of where to put more people and how to do three or four services. You'll be doing services at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because you just don't have enough room for folks. These are the problems you will have. Why? Because he sent you really gifted folks. And you can always tell just about how much God loves you by the people he sends for your benefit. He sent his son for your benefit. And he sent Paul and Taylor for your benefit. 
If you're here, welcome. Glad to have you. I won't be next week. I'll be back at home doing what I do, but they will be, and you are well cared for. I'm here today to not only introduce you to them in a way that probably most cannot, but also to set them in as pastors in this city and hopefully yours. I, mean, I know many people are here today trying to figure out, what is this? Is this a people to which I can just visit or join? And I hope that we can present Christ in such a way to you that you can make a decision really quick. But we want to set them in as the pastors, not only of his people, but in this city to help bring the body of Christ together to do something very special. Numbers chapter 27. Moses is about to check out. And in verses 16 and 17, God speaks to him. He says, may the Lord, the God of all spirits, Numbers 27, 16, the God of all spirits and all flesh appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them and who will lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like a sheep, like sheep which have no shepherd. And I want to set Paul and Taylor in as the people who will help shepherd a people who can follow God best. So Paul and Taylor, will you please come? I'm going to pray for this family. And I ask that you all pray with me. This is a moment for not only God to shout his amen from heaven about who these people are and that they are anointed, they are graced, they are called to this community. But it's also a moment for you to express your affirmation because it's not just that God anoints them, it's that you approve them. And the amen from heaven and the amen from earth allow for the confirmation that allows for everybody else to understand what these people mean to the earth. And so it's our hope that you would stretch out your faith today. And if you're not called to be a part of this house, just recognize that they are called to be a part of this community and that God has sent them here. Father in heaven, we are grateful for this family. We're grateful for Taylor, who is not just a tag along. She's not just an addition. She's a partner. She is the Eve to this Adam. And she's going to help work not only her personal house, but help work in this house to see your glory and your will be done. Anoint her and grace her. Give her wisdom and understanding. Let her hands be fruitful, and whatever she puts them to, let it prosper. I pray that you would bless this man. You've anointed him and graced him to lead. You've empowered him with, uh, with your spirit. You've given him wisdom and understanding beyond his years. Insight. He can see things that others cannot, and he will speak things in a way that others cannot. Continue to pour out all that you will so that this community can become what you will. We trust you to do more than this couple asks or think because that's what you do. They've got a big dream. They've got a big vision, but you're bigger. Broaden their shoulders. Enlarge their heart so that this community can come to a greater understanding of who you are and how much you love them. We set them in today as leaders in this city and as pastors of this house. Guard them protect them, be with them every moment. In the discouraging times, I pray you would be their great encouragement. In the confusing times, you'd be the beacon of light and direction. 
Lord, when things don't seem to be going right, they know that you are. I pray that they would find you in ways like never before and let victory be theirs, not only as a word that defines this church, but as the reality that defines their existence. Victory every day over all they experience that is untoward, victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. If you've uh, been around me any length of time, you know that my favorite scripture is Psalm 118 and 24. Um, but what you've probably not heard me do is something that I want you to join me in doing, which is to sing a little bit of, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. You can stand, it's okay. We will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I don't know what you woke up with, but you woke up. This is the day, and we're here. This is to give him glory and rejoice together. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. We can give God another hand clap of praise because he is good. He is good. He didn't promise us a storm-free life, but in him we can live a storm-proof one. So whatever is happening, I believe we can wake up and declare God's word, as the psalmist said in Psalm 118, 24, that it is the day that he has made. And oh, how good it is, the psalmist goes on to say in chapter 133, for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It's wonderful to be in the house of God with the people of God today. And I'm grateful uh, that you chose an hour of your Sunday to spend with us, to lift up a perfect God who thought to wake us up and give us the opportunity to continue the conversation he began with so many of us when he breathed life into us when we came into this world. And that's all we're here to do. And we're grateful that as a part of Victory Church, we get to uh, be a teammate alongside very good teammates here in the city of seeing this community uh, changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing his kingdom advanced. Our vision here at Victory, if you don't already know, is to see a people reconciled to God and to each other. And if you're like me, as you get older, you realize just how little capacity you have to accomplish the things he put you on the planet to accomplish. So it's going to be by nothing but the Holy Spirit and his power that enables us to see that, that vision come to fruition and to extend it by, by then passing on the baton to the next generation to see them continue to do the same. It's never been and nor will it ever be about us. But God, I'm thankful that he allows us to privilege, to, the privilege of partnering uh, with him. He uses people, does he not? 
Uh, I know he's used people in my own life uh, to, to stand here, to, to know what kind of bride to look for, but certainly God just dropped this gem on my doorstep. <laughs> I married up. I'm 5'9", she's about 5'3", but I married up. Uh, he uses people. He uses our every nation family, Pastor Brett spoke of. Earlier today, we had Danelle Perkins and her husband, Sean Perkins, who uh, are associate pastors at Grace Covenant in Chantilly. He's used Pastor David Hermes and his wife, Megan, who are also pastors at Grace Covenant at the Sterling campus. He's used many of you, biological family and otherwise. We're all family in some way, shape, or form, and you have influenced my life, our family's life, the life of this church in ways that maybe you'll never realize, but in glory, I believe God is going to reward you accordingly. And he's used some people to shepherd, to care for, to lead, to disciple, um, to help us find our way, to hear God well in our own lives for what we are supposed to be doing. And one of those particularly critical voices in our lives has been that of Pastor Brett Fuller. So yes, I asked him to come uh, because we're not here if he's not who he is and who he allows God to be through him. 32 years of marriage to his wonderful wife and bride, Miss Cynthia, seven amazing children raised, over 35 years pastoring at Grace Covenant Church. And in all of that, in the time that we've been privileged to know them, it's never been about a projection of perfection. In fact, he's been quite intentional about saying, don't ever confuse him with that. But very transparently, all the while, displaying consistency. Consistency and excellence toward an excellent God. Consistency in how we perfectly submit to a heavenly Father and allow Him to do the work He's called us to do and being available. And for that, we will forever be grateful. And somehow, He finds time to extend the kingdom in spaces uh, in, in the community, in the marketplace, and taught me very well how to do the same in my industry, which was, is education. He, as a chaplain of the Washington Redskins, has men seeing their platform very differently than just to run a ball down the field, but to see God's glory be revealed in that space. He's chaplain of the National Association for Basketball Coaches, the same. And singing to kids on Christmas Eve, it's always about seeing the kingdom advanced. And I would say the best sermon I've ever he heard Pastor Brett preach, and he Back and preach. <laughs> but the best one has been a life well lived. Um, and I am honored to have been a part. Um, I'm honored to continue being a son of Grace Covenant Church. Four years ago, as he mentioned, he answered the call of a son who moved away to continue work here at the university and, and poured into us at that time and continues to so that God can continue to do all that he wants to do in and through us. So, Pastor Brett, we're grateful. We thank you, and we love you. Can we give God a hand praise for that? Um, and Father in heaven, I just want to pray as well over Pastor Brett, Miss Cynthia, and the Grace Covenant Church. There is a unique anointing on that house and on his life in particular to train up leaders to go out into the world to do what you call them to do and to extend the kingdom. I thank you for the heart of our pastor, a pastor's pastor, a leader's leader. And I pray that you continue to refresh him as he refreshes others and leads others and prefers others consistently above himself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 It's good to have you here at Victory Church. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. 
Um, we're going to jump right into the word. In the book of Galatians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. So you can turn there in your Bibles, which might be hard copy these days, maybe on your smartphone, or iPad, or you can just look at the screen and follow along there. But Galatians chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. As you're looking for that, I want to pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. I pray that according to your word that you would open up our eyes to see all that is in your law. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak, that you would speak. We'd hear that it would permeate aspects of our heart, not just the head knowledge such that we're top-heavy and walking around, but, God, that it sink about 18 inches deeper to our heart and become a lived reality in our spheres of influence. God, do that, please, for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Galatians chapter 2, uh, verses 18 through 20 reads this way, <clears throat> and I'm reading from the New International Version. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're going to start a sermon series today that we're going to continue throughout the month of January. And it's entitled Victorious Living. Uh, and the title of the sermon within that series today is It's Handled. It's Handled. Um, my wife earlier uh, talked a bit about our son, one of our three children at home. And our youngest daughter, um, who is two years old right now, um, has a lot of sayings. She keeps us cracking up in the house. But one of the sayings she has is, I got this. I got this. Right? Can daddy help you with the shoes, sweetheart? No, I got this. How about your coat? Can daddy help you get your coat on before you go to preschool? No, I got this. One day that really threw me for a loop. I was privileged to drive her to school. Typically, Taylor does. And this day was, was an opportunity for me to do that. So I said, hey, daddy gets to drive you to school today. And she said, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> How's that going to work out? <laughs> but it's quite appropriate for kids. One day they can't do something and the next day they can. One day I'm helping her tie her shoes and the next day she doesn't need it, right? One day we're helping her on Friday get her skates on at Carver Rec Center and by the end of the night, no, 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 I got this. She, she doesn't need the help and it's quite appropriate for children to learn something and then build on what's been taught. Um, my prayer as a dad is someday uh, that my kids prayerfully will see something or have experienced something in our households for which they might say, thank you. The opportunity I get today with my father-in-law here and uh, my parents always here in spirit who are in Northern Virginia, thank you. Thank you for the foundation that you've laid. Thank you for the influence that you've had in our lives. The house, the metaphorical house, if you will, can stand well because of a solid foundation laid but my parents in growing up, for which I'll always be grateful. And if I can just insert a parenthetical here, you might be sitting here and thinking about your foundation as I 
am thankful to God for the solid foundation laid in my life through my own parents. And you're saying, there's some cracks in mine. Some water got in. It seeped in a little bit too much, and there's a lot of fissures going on. Might I hasten to say there is someone we know who is a master builder. His name is Jesus. And he doesn't do patch-up work. He transforms from the inside out, and you can be made brand new. So the thank you coming from my lips to my earthly influences, really to my heavenly Father, can be yours as well. But I'm hopeful and I'm prayerful that someday our kids will have something for which they can say, thank you, Mom and Dad. And it would be very appropriate for them to not need me to do stuff. Y'all would think it a bit strange if Mom was here and and, and my, two, my, my shoes were untied. If she came running out the aisle talking about, hold on, baby, let me tie your shoes for you, right? Like that would, and I'd be like, no, 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 I got this. Oh, that would be a little strange if that were to happen, right? Some of y'all probably put your finger up and tiptoe right on out. Oh, that would be a little weird. Oh, it's appropriate that I don't have mom do that. It's appropriate that dad, after teaching me how to edge up the grass and do some things. I got it now. But it could be quite problematic if you think about it. Dangerous even in our relationship with God if we find ourselves doing something similar. Um, Yes, we're moving. If you're thinking of the scripture, we move from the element. Yes, we move from those elementary things, but not what the apostle Paul was admonishing the church churches at Galatia not to do. If you're here and you're saying, I know Jesus and I've been around for a while, it could look something like this for you. God, uh, I know where you found me. <clears throat> I know where I was. Maybe physically, you, I know where you scooped me up out of a ditch. Emotionally, I know where I was when you found me. Psychologically, mentally, I know where I was, but I'm doing all right now, a little better. I got myself a little set of rules and little guidelines by which I can live and I'm good. It could sound that way dangerous. Or maybe if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're sitting here and you're thinking, I've got my set of rules and I'm refining them each and every day. Might I encourage both camps, if you will, in which I am included, what the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the churches at Galatia to consider. And I think our text communicates a number of things, one of which is victorious living is faith-filled living. The book of Galatians, it's an amazing vigorous apologetic, which is a defense of the essential biblical truth that we are not justified by works, but by faith, the grace of God through our faith in him. We're sanctified not by the legalistic works, but by the obedience that comes from faith in God's work for us, in us, and through us by the grace and power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Apostle Paul, who is uh, believed to have written A significant portion of the New Testament, including this letter to the churches at Galatia, is countering those who were kind of infiltrating the ranks with the teaching that they must be circumcised in order to be accepted by God. I suspect you're not sitting here clinging to uh, the idea that you've got to be circumcised in order to be accepted by God, or at least I hope that that's the reality in the room. But there may be some customs, some ideas, some practices, some disciplines, however well-intentioned they might be, that can creep in and take the place of a faith-filled life, a faith in the work of Jesus. 
through which we find our salvation and our justification. And this attempt may not be conscious. It could be unconscious or subconscious, but an endeavor nonetheless for us to find victorious living. Anybody want to live in victory? I haven't met anybody who has not wanted to live in victory. And so the Apostle Paul is just saying, hold on, let's, let's make sure we're living in a way that victory can be ensured and, in fact, absolute certain. And after beginning the book of Galatians with somewhat of a defense of his apostleship, he's saying to them in chapters 1 and early chapter 2, I'm commissioned by God. This isn't about me having learned this from the other apostles. I'm here sent by God. He also then goes on to show that the very real nature, the design of the law, the Mosaic law, the rites and the rituals, it's so that we can be led to Christ, but not through those rituals and rites do we find our salvation. We are not justified. We are not declared righteous, the Apostle Paul is saying, through these customs. But earlier in chapter 2, if you go back before verse 18, which we read today, we learned that some of the churches were in fact being compelled by false believers to reestablish some of those very customs. And so as a part of Paul's explanation, he is kind of saying this is dangerous and wrong. And in verse 18, as a part of that explanation, he says, if I were to rebuild what I destroyed, if he were to, re- to, to advocate for reinstituting the law again, if he were to preach that by going back to rule following that somehow we could save ourselves, I would become myself a lawbreaker in that I'd be violating God's law, which essentially says Jesus came to fulfill that law such that only through faith in him can we be saved. He's pleading with them, in essence, saying, please don't go there. Verse 19 that we read says, through the law, I died to the law. In other words, we tried the system of rules. Wasn't all bad. Circumcision is, is medical professionals will say, is a healthy thing. A lot of customs and disciplines could be great. I am thankful on a personal parenthetical note that Abraham took one for the team and doing it as late in life as he did, and we don't have to do that. But uh, if we go a little bit further in chapter 3 of Galatians, just kind of bookending a bit of our text for context, we see that if the inheritance we have in Christ depended on our adherence to law, it would then cease to depend on the promise given to Abraham hundreds of years before the law. Hebrews chapter 11, for further reference later, you'll see what's been described as the hall of faith. And what we see there are a number of individuals, Abraham being one, where it said he worked really hard and it was credited to him as righteousness. It doesn't say that. It says he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now he checked off some boxes and then God said, no, he said he believed. Now, Abraham, for some context, again, these aren't all bad things. Genesis chapter 26, verse 5 says he did obey the law before he even had the the law. So he was, in fact, obedient, but it was because he believed that justification happened. So victorious living, I beg us to take on as a reality today, begins with faith-filled living. Paul is saying to to the churches at Galatia, do not be misled. Don't fall prey to the false teaching that somehow our attempts at self-improvement are making us more holy. Don't go back. Now, having established the groundbreaking truth that we do not need to be circumcised in order to be accepted by God, we can think now of what kinds of 
well-meaning customs, maybe even biblical, that we may be attempted to establish or reestablish in place of a faith-filled life as we pursue victorious living. A couple of years ago, I was uh, asked to come and play basketball by a good friend of mine who's sitting in the back today, Richard Fiero, and I haven't let him hear the end of this. Um, so you're welcome, Richard, <coughs> for the story I'm about to tell again. Uh, it was uh, Friday morning. We played Tuesday, Fridays at Carver Center, but this day I decided to sleep in. It was 6 a.m. that they usually play. And he texted me and said, Paul, we have nine people. We need one more. And I said, good luck. <laughs> you know, four and four with a sub. Have at it. Uh, I said, all right, Rich, I'm, I, man, I love you, man. I'm coming. I'm going to come and play some ball with you. So I'm out in Carver Rec playing some ball. I'm about 34, 35 at the time. And I go to reach to get uh, an inbounds pass, and it felt like somebody hit me on the back of my leg with a two-by-four. Turned around, thinking it was Richard, ready to give him an earful. He's like, however many feet away, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. He had nothing to do with it. 35 probably had a little bit to do with it, but it happened. Had the surgery, and I committed myself to getting back on the court. I told my physical therapist, listen, I'm not training just to walk again. I need to be back on the court. I love the game. I just, I want to play till I, you know, I'm just... Get me on the court. And so they gave me a list of things to do. Do this, get your hamstrings tight, get some one leg uh, calf raises going, and then you'll be able to get back on the court. And about a year from the date of surgery, I got back on the court. And it was great, except it wasn't. I was discouraged. I wasn't the old Paul. Not that the old Paul was great anyways, probably more of a Division Five level kind of talent in basketball. But I was not near what I was. And I got a bit discouraged. God, I did everything I was supposed to do in PT. I was, ah, what, what's going on? I left the game for a little bit, went and took a class at ACAC. If anybody knows Chris Collins, he'll get you right. And I'm in this class however many days a week doing all of the things, strengthening the muscles that I didn't know I had so that when I got back on the court, I will be stronger than ever. And this past Friday, I got back on the court. No, not even this past Friday, because I wouldn't be standing if it was two days ago. Last Friday, I got back on the court. Some guy said, hey, come on, we got 10. We run for a full hour, no breaks, no subs. I said, I got this. We're going to get it. I got this. No, 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 no. I got this, right? Get out there. We play. And I said, huh. there is no power. <laughs> no power. Checked off every box, but no power. Some of that might have to do with the fact that I'm pushing 40 and didn't have a lot of game to begin with, but that doesn't help the story. I trained for this. I trained hard for this moment. Played that hour, walked home or drove home, walked through the door somewhat, <laughs> kind of like this. And Taylor said, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What happened? What, again, what I said, babe, I didn't do anything. I didn't twist my ankle. I didn't break an arm. I just, my body hurts. <laughs> what is happening to me? Uh, checked off every box. The point being, every natural analogy falls a little short, but hopefully you grasp the point that we too in our lives with Christ, our walks with Christ, can check off every box. But if there's no power, if there's no faith-filled life attached to the customs, Oh, God, this community we want to see transformed, our individual lives, our families' lives, it can't actually come to fruition. We'll walk around with hurt bodies saying, what happened? I'm checking off every box, Lord. What is going on? I don't know what that looks like for you in your life, by the way. It can look a number of different ways. It can look like you praying several times a day, which is a good thing. 
reading your Bible every day, another really good thing. It could be serving in every ministry. And on our core team, we have folks serving on every team. It's a good thing, all good things to do. It could be honing your craft by spending hours and hours to become an expert in that space. Good on you. Or maybe as I sit in a room in this city of Charlottesville, that experience, and not just the city, as Pastor Brett said, every city in, in many respects experienced these kinds of dynamics, but the focus certainly was on us August 11th and 12th, and in that post sort of era, could be that we're saying, I need to volunteer a little more at the Haven. Maybe I'll go to a few more race relations forums. Maybe I'll do this or do that. All very good things. But the main event here in this text It's Paul's reinforcement of the fact that it's not in the custom. It's not in the practice, the discipline, the the rule. Victorious living is faith-filled living. And as such, he says then in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I'm sorry, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What makes us us, what makes the church the church, Victory Church, yes, but even more broadly, when we think of the big C church, it's that our victory isn't dependent on our capacity. We work hard. Let's not even get it twisted. We work hard. The core team was up late last night, and then they were up again this morning, and then we're going to do it all again next week. But it's not about faith in our capacity or our endeavors, if you will, because at best, behavior modification would occur. It's when Christ lives in and through us that we can see transformation yielded that no temporal condition that we'll go through in this life could ever thwart. I hope you hear me saying, and if you don't, I'll say more explicitly, that isn't to mean that we don't do all of the things and more that I just alluded to. Run all the forms on race that you can. Serve all you can. In fact, visit our connection table in the back because some of our teams would love to serve alongside you, not just to accomplish a task, but to build something that's unique for the kingdom of God. So much more is built in this stage when the guys and gals get up here to do what they do. So I admonish you to go after the service and talk to one of our teams. Pray often. Read your Bible every single day. Stop by the Boys and Girls Club and see my guy Clyde Clyde Thompson or Miss Virginia and ask them about volunteering here because it is time well spent. Do that while knowing the faith isn't in your ability or capacity to see the change that you desire to see done as much as it is in a God who is wanting to work in and through you to transform your sphere of influence. If anything... When we recognize that victorious living is faith-filled living, we'll actually apply more efforts. It's not our capacity, it's stewarding His capacity on which our faith ultimately rests. We get to die to ourselves. We get that privilege so that He can live, and as a result, things have to change. This past week, uh, today's Sunday, and it was Monday of this past week, we had some friends over for dinner. We do dinners and we do coffees and, or I do vanilla steamers, but we like to fellowship with folks and hang out. So we had some friends over for dinner this past Monday and they were just hanging out. Our kids were playing together. It was great. And our two-year-old that I referenced earlier came up the stairs and she was kind of holding her leg. And as you've kind of gathered, she's pretty animated. And so 
um, I thought that was the case when she kind of did this to her leg. And I said, oh, my little baby, she you know, strained her hamstring. I'm so sorry. And then we went back to talking, right? And everybody kind of chuckled like some of you were doing. And then later we kind of saw something else. And Taylor, my bride who was worth far more than rubies, <laughs> who is amazing, who has saved us many a day, like the eye, time you had eyes behind your head and saw Tullus walking out the front door and nobody saw him. Amazing. Said some context, right? I told you I married up, but just some detail as to what that meant. Said, I think something might be actually wrong. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you're <laughs> probably right. So our friends leave the house, and certainly we, we realized something was wrong. We had a friend from the core team come over to spend time with our older kids. We take her to the ER, and we're in the ER, and by this point, she's not putting any weight on her leg, and the doctors are saying, yeah, something is wrong, but we don't know. Good doctors. We called another friend who's an ER doctor. She said, yes, yeah, see this person and so forth. And then had the people in the room who needed to be in the room who were practicing what they knew to the best of their ability. And I would go back again and would encourage you to go see a physician because God might bring healing to you through them. So we're grateful for them, though in this moment, they couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Blood test negative. Praise. But she's still limping. Ultrasound clear. But she's still not walking. Nothing seemed to pan out. We had no idea. But in that moment, which a moment is just kind of a span of time. I don't know exactly when. There was a whisper in my spirit that just said, it's handled. It's handled. And I said, okay. And, and it was like, be diligent. Ask the questions. Push. Do the things you know to do to get the kind of service you deserve to get in this space. Do that and know that it's handled. Her healing is handled. The peace that you are seeking in this very anxiety-provoking moment when you see your kid not walking and nobody can figure it out. I have already handled it. It's handled in the midst of. And you should know she's walking and running around here somewhere today. And they said, I don't know, but it, she's, it's handled. But God, the moment, parenthetically, for us that I sensed in that space is God, help me never to wait for anything. You handled it over 2,000 years ago. How can I steward the gospel? And part of it was in the moment when we were thinking, what is wrong? God, you've already handled it. And I don't know, as I hasten to a conclusion, what ER you find yourself in today. Don't know, but I know you're either <laughs> coming out of one or going into another, because life is just kind of the ebbs and flows. We deal with stuff, whatever it might be. You might be sitting here thinking, how in the world am I going to live life as an empty nester? When is the last time we talked? Anxiety. Retirement. What does that look like? That's real. Or caring for parents who are ailing. What does, how does that look? Who's done this before, right? What or maybe there's a marital setback and God is wanting to help you have a comeback. I don't know what anxiety in your soul might be. Planning a church. <laughs> we have all the steps in the world. There's an assessment center. There's a boot camp. There's an entire proving process for which we are grateful and it has helped us. And you know what? There are still ample, ample opportunities for faith to be applied. But God is saying it's handled. It's handled. Over 2,000 years ago, I handled it. I lived a life my kids love, quoting John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And they kind of stopped there and want to preach that. He loved us, and he gave his son to live a life we should have lived 
die a death we should have died, but we couldn't because we didn't have the currency to pay the debt, but he did on our behalf, atoning for our sins and not just stopping there. But on the third day, he got up from the grave, conquering death and the grave. It's handled. We get the privilege of now walking in it. Are the disciplines bad and wrong? No, but the Apostle Paul is saying, please don't go back to thinking that somehow in that you find salvation. It says later in chapter 6, if you want to read through that whole book of Galatians, context is so important. It actually says that they were doing a lot of that to avoid the persecution of the cross of Christ. How subtle might such teachings creep in, in a community where it's very easy to say, I'm doing all this really good stuff, but why? Can you talk about that? Can you say really what's driving who you are and why you are? What persecution might come your way if you did? And how then are you making a decision? A faith-filled life is what the Apostle Paul and I are encouraging all of us to pursue. I'm not saying be weird. I'm not saying run into your offices with big token Bibles talking about Jesus saved. Like we're not... There's a way Jesus met the woman at the well. He talked to her. There's a way that we can engage our sphere of influence such that people aren't scared and freaked out by how you steward the gospel. Don't hear that. But hear how checking off boxes will never be enough. He's calling us closer, closer. Besides, coming home like this ain't fun anyway. God, I'm relieved to know that I don't have what it takes. I can lean on you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. I can trust in you with my everything, not lean on my own understanding. That's a relief. Victory Church, successful, yeah, I ain't got nothing to do with it. It's his vision and he's going to see it carried to fruition. I just get the privilege of stewarding it and we get the privilege of serving together alongside. But he does the work. He has the power to transform lives, communities, and families. Victorious living is faith-filled living. The question um, I want us to kind of ask ourselves in addition to the previous one I ask is, how might we die to ourselves a bit more this week, today? What might that look like? Verse 20, Apostle Paul, what he said in chapter 2, verse 20, what might it look uh, look like for us to die to ourselves? In what areas, if we're reflecting, might we say, man, I I am starting to lean on that a bit. How might we die to ourselves such that he can live more powerfully through us? The issue is never a capacity issue in terms of his power, but rather it's our faith and where it's being ascribed. He's calling us in to let our faith rise a bit more so he can do what he wants us to do. Amen. I can only imagine if from a faith-filled posture, Victory Church was just inspired by the work of Jesus, to see healing in our relationships, in our families, in our workplaces. My oldest brother, 30-second tidbit, I'll never forget the story where he does a bunch of government contracting, dealing with all these accounts, and I'll never forget, he said, oh, you know, I work hard, and he works really hard. He said, but one night I was just sleeping, and in my dream, the pages of the contract were turning, and it stopped on a page. And the next day, he went back in to that page, no joke, and it, was, it meant a lot of zeros for the company. Let him in everywhere. Where might we die? Yes, steward the intellect he's given you. Yes, steward the, the, the capacity and the networks he's given you. But what might he do exceedingly abundantly above all that you may ever ask or think if we die in every area of our lives such that he can live in and through us? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I, I am 
ecstatic (laughs) that you would be so mindful of us, that you would allow us this privilege to steward your gospel, each and every one of us in our respective spheres of influence, to see your kingdom advanced. I'm thankful that according to Psalm 119 and 18, that you would open up our eyes to see more of what's in your law. And I'm thankful in what you've allowed us to open today, that you've allowed us to see that victorious living is faith-filled living in a fresh way. I pray that we die to ourselves, maybe in ways we hadn't thought of yet or haven't yielded to yet, so that you can live powerfully through us. Help us to not just in the words of our mouths, but through our behavior, demonstrate our belief in the fact that it's handled. It's handled, and we get to now see your will through our participation done on earth as it is in heaven as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. The privilege is ours to give all that we can, but not because the faith is in the all that we can, but it's in an all-knowing and perfect and omniscient and omnipotent God who wants to do so much more than we could ever imagine or think. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, there might be somebody here who's thinking, I'm not quite like the churches at Galatia in that I'm not reestablishing rules. I just have had a set of rules and never invited Jesus into my life for the first time to, to, to transform and demolish those rules. This is the moment for you to make a decision the best decision that you will ever make in your life, and that is to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. Transform me as only you can. If you're sitting here with heads bowed and eyes closed and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I want to ask you to come up front. We'll ask you just to raise your hand so that we can pray with you so that you can begin that relationship today. those of us in the room who know Jesus Christ already. I want to pray for us because we already know that the temptation is very real for us to lean on our own understanding, to lean on customs, to fall back on what we think saved us when we know it actually didn't. I want to pray that we too would be reminded of what you've already handled on the cross. So God, thank you for the opportunity each day to begin again with more faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We want to live faith-filled lives for what lies ahead that we can't see, but that you handled already 2,000 years ago. Help us, Lord, to have that perspective, to put on those glasses each and every single day. As a community, as individuals, Lord, as ambassadors for the kingdom, may our faith rise in such a way that we'll see our community transformed and that the light who you are shining through us as we lift you up would beckon others to you who don't yet know him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to have maybe a couple of announcements before the worship team closes us out with amazing song. Can y'all just give God some praise for the worship team? I'm pretty excited about them. Um, testimonies all over the place, so we'll tell this one another day, but suffice it to say, they, they, uh, God dropped them into this community, and, and uh, what a drop, <laughs> what a drop, you're amazing, um, 
Victory groups. It's a critical part of how at Victory Church we'll do discipleship, which for us means taking the next step of obedience. And we're kicking them off next week. What are victory groups? Your faces are start telling me, some of them, uh, is a group of five to ten people meeting weekly uh, to eat together, because there's no meeting without eating, right? Uh, to fellowship with each other and to study the word through sermon-based discussions. You can go to the website now and actually see the discussion questions there that every week you would be walking through um, to help facilitate deeper understanding of the word and application of the word to your lives Monday through Saturday. So at the connection table where Kate and Frankie are currently standing in the back and that big sign saying connect here, you can go fill out a connection card to find a group. We are starting with groups over at Greenstone, if anybody knows where that is, in Prospect. We'll have about two groups there, one in Brookwood. Uh, we'll have another one all the way up in Lake Monticello, uh, Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, Hollymead, uh, Forest Lakes. We'll have one there, and I'm probably missing one or two, but you can go to the website and see what I did miss. Point being... Go and sign up. Um, not just sign up, plug in. Plug in. Uh, what we'll do at the, the outset here is kind of limit the number of folks in each group. So it will be kind of limited to start until we have some more leaders to lead other groups. And to that end, every first Sunday of the month, we hold a Victory Groups orientation. So next first Sunday, we'll have a 45-minute moment in the back where we talk more about why we do what we do, what the early church, the first church in Acts 2 did and how we're wanting to model after what they did and fellowshipping with each other all the time, why we do it, and how you could serve and be a part with the gifts God's uniquely given to you to add value to the kingdom. Every first Sunday of the month, we'll do that. Second announcement is, what better time of the year to do and to engage in and participate in a fast moment? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if you're wondering what a fast is, we have detailed information in the back. But in short, it's an opportunity for us collectively and corporately as a part of the Ever Nation family that Pastor Brett talked about earlier to consecrate ourselves, set ourselves aside. Yes, I know we're all living a fast life, as we should set aside different, a light to the world. This is a, a pretty unique moment where we get to, with even more intensity and intentionality, say, God, you're Lord of my life, and I'm going to talk to my flesh a little bit about that during this week. Turning down the plate, for example, giving that time to prayer. Um, in the back, there are booklets that are incredibly, incredibly helpful. We believe in discipleship development, and so it walks through in an extended format what a fast is and how you might proceed through that, as well as scriptural references and precedents for said fast and how we might, as a people, pray and consecrate ourselves accordingly. And we pray every Monday evening at 8 p.m. That phone number also is on the website. So if you want to join us for 20 minutes, uh, you can come in and lurk. I know some of y'all on the phone lurking. <laughs> or you can be on the call and, and jump in. We invite everybody to join their faith with ours as we do. And folks are on there from all over the country and world, actually. We had South Africa join us one time. So you're welcome to join that as well. But please pick up those booklets in the back as well. Church, God bless you. We love you.